Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tuso. And I'm Ann Friedman. Hi, Ann Friedman. How are you doing over there? Hi, Amina Tuso. I'm over here. <laughs> wow. You know, the more things change, the more nothing changes, <laughs> or whatever the pandemic equivalent of that is. Truly, 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 truly. What is on our agenda today? On our agenda today is a lovely human being. I had the privilege of speaking to a friend of the podcast, Fran Torado, who is a writer and a speaker. He is also one of the hosts of Food for Thought, a podcast that we love. And uh, he also makes really fun queer shit happen at Netflix. And uh, we love Fran. Ugh, I've been a fan of Fran's, a, f- a Fran fan, if you will, since his days as executive editor of Hello Mister, which is a, yes. a magazine I really like, was really a fixture of my coffee table. It um, It is not in publication anymore, but I, that is where I feel like I got to know Fran's sensibility and um, the person who should really be known for a black turtleneck. Like, let's be honest, like not Steve Jobs, not Elizabeth Holmes, like it is Fran no. who truly owns that look he and it's so iconic that he works in tech now because like the turtleneck has you know like he has returned to the real home of the turtleneck like i love it yeah or or rather like tech is blessed by by like like fran's interpretation of the turtleneck uniform they should be just dying of joy frankly i know you know and this is the thing too about so much of fran's work is that he really brings um you know, he makes a lot of really, really, really important things happen behind the scenes. He was a deputy editor at Out. He was a strategist behind a lot of everyone's favorite pride campaigns. Someone who tirelessly works for other people and really lives out his values. And so we are really, really blessed that he's on the show today. I can't wait to listen. Hi, Fran. Thanks for being on Call Your Girlfriend. Hey, Amina, how are you? Oh my gosh, I miss you so much. I miss you a lot. One of the hardest things of being locked down is just not, it's just like not knowing when I'm going to see my friends next. When am I going to see you next? Yeah, that's kind of the big question mark is hard for me too. I'm like, you know, trying to FaceTime people and say hi and, you know, check in and, and really like be there for someone every single day. I think that's kind of my marker is like chat with someone every day I can. And that's just gonna have to make it work for now. I'm like deeply extroverted and do not understand introverts. So this is a difficult time for me. (laughs) Um, It's so funny because I like every night before I go to bed and I make my mental list of like, who do I need to check in on? Like who, you know what I mean? Like, you know, how it's like you, you're like family, friends, like the, the far away network. Like you're just doing triage in your head and I've noticed that more and more at the top of my list are all my extroverts. I'm always like, pray for the extroverts. <laughs> 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 Family. 
because I am like people think that I'm an extrovert, but I'm actually an introvert. I'm just an introvert uh, who yeah. grew up with like extrovert parents, and so mm. I know how to fake it. But being like mentally alone right now has not been challenging to me. For, mm. It has not been challenging yet. But I, I, you know, being inside is hard in so many ways. Yeah, it is. Like, I, I do enjoy solitude. I like the meditative quality that, like, my day-to-day has taken. But, yeah, definitely super-duper extrovert. Do not respect my privacy at this time. I need attention. <laughs> please, <laughs> please invade my privacy and check in on me and all your extroverted friends always. Oh my gosh, pray for the extroverts, the real (laughs) COVID-19 victims. (laughs) It's so nuts though too, you know how it's just like rewiring all of our brains. You know, it's like, what does it even mean to be in touch? Because Anne and I talk about this so much that I, you know, and you would fall in this category of friend for me because you moved to LA, of people who are, um, people who are far away. So you already kind of have a muscle for checking in with them. And then there are the friends that just, you know, the friends that you see every day and everything is hard on so many levels. It's like the friends that you see every day now you can't see them. So they've had to move to long distance. The friends that are already long distance, I can't stop thinking about when is the next time I'm going to see them in person. And so the mind just reels. Yeah, moving to LA was tough, but something that made it easier was that I was shuttling back to New York like every four weeks or so, every four to six weeks and seeing my friends and getting my fix, right? And, you know, now that that's kind of off the table, it is definitely tough. Remember traveling? Remember I know. (laughs) Remember days of the week? Remember showering every day? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, some of us are still showering every day because that's how you stay sane. (laughs) Right. I, I'm not sure what my sanity is based in, honestly. It's probably just watching TV and, you know, group chats. Group, a lot oh. of group, group chat energy, definitely, right now. I know. Are you getting overwhelmed by the group chats, though? Because I, I am feeling really overtaxed with how much I have to use my phone right now. See, that is where we... Um, differ because my group chats are basically like my IV drip into the extroverted (laughs) blood. I've never been more on my phone ever. And I, you know, when we started quarantining, I was like, I'm going to set my routine. I'm going to have like no phone time at like the first hour and the last hour of the day. Like I set all these goals and I figured out that my relationship to my phone is so attached to the outer world that it's okay if I, you know, if I get that little screen time check-in that's like, you've been up 50% this week. And I'm like, I know, I know. Thank you. (laughs) You know what I mean? But, you know, still trying to read, trying to work on hobbies, have fun. I wanted to keep in touch with my fam, but, you know, and I think that pen pals Pen pal ship is great, but I don't ever want to go to the post office, period. I hate the post office. Wow. Fran, this is really where we differ. The post office (laughs) is my favorite government agency. (laughs) What? Okay. I don't know if we have time to get into this, but let me tell you, many an anxiety attack at the post office. (laughs) I used to, I used to, when Food for Thought, my podcast, we, you know, had merch for it. I used to have to go to the post office all the time to send merch out. And my trips were so anxiety inducing that I started bringing this, there's this little book of like Buddhist principles called the pocket Pema Chodron that I love. And I started carrying it 
to the post office so that I could read it in line and then out because I was so stressed. And, you know, oh my God. Oh my wow. God, Fred, you're like Tina Turner, like, Nam at the post office. <laughs> Literally, this book, this book is life-changing, though. I really recommend the Pop Pocket Pema Chodron to anybody who has difficulty um, managing their anxiety or, you know, thoughts Specifically at the post office. Specifically at the post office, because it's little. It can fit in your, it fit, it fits in your pocket. I'm the opposite. I have a scale at home, print on my own postage. I have stamps from every iconic stamp collection the USPS has ever made. I am a a post office influencer. I don't know how to tell you this. (laughs) Wow, I feel influenced. I love that for you. Okay, great. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, you said that you've been watching a lot of TV. Tell me all the things that you're watching. Of course, yes. I, I work at Netflix. I, I guess the disclaimer is I lead our editorial team's conglomerate of queer and trans audiences. So a lot of like the things that I watch skew gay or queer or like usually driven with people of color. And then I also love the Yeah, occasional... so all the good stuff. Hello. Yeah, all the good stuff. Um, and, you know, the occasional white excellence, right? Like <laughs> there's a... <laughs> What's one white here? excellence? <laughs> I mean, Big Little Lies is canon, obviously, but that's something that everyone Fair. is watching. I actually really liked Apple TV's The Morning Show. Like, oh, I, I thought... loved Apple TV's The Morning Show. That is oh, white excellence. That, that is, is white, white excellence. excellence. It was pure canon. I mean, I was watching it, I was like, this is drag. Like, this is drag. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I can have a queer lens on this cultural object. <laughs> you know, the most insane thing about Morning Show is how Jen Aniston's hair was always in her jacket. I noticed that too. Someone said that on Twitter and I was like, wow, was this an actorial choice or was this just a mistake on the stylist part? Was it, it just like, I felt the energy. I felt Jen it. Aniston makes no mistakes. That no. was definitely acting. Yeah, absolutely. I love that I'm leading a streaming guide with Watch the Morning Show. I mean, I think (laughs) I would love to start with things that people are already talking about. And if you haven't gotten around to it, I can confirm whether or not you should watch it, right? And then we can talk about like maybe shows that you've slept on. But I mean, have you watched Tiger King yet, Amina? (laughs) First of all, have I watched Tiger King? (laughs) (laughs) Tiger King has everything I love. Like, Nothing makes me happier than when there is a TV show that is full of white people and there are seemingly almost no people of flavor on it because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's what Ira Madison calls cocoonery. And I was like, this is cocoonery. Like, that's just what's going on here. And you love scammers. You love scammers. I love Animal Print. I love scammers, but I don't do cats. It takes a lot to shock me, but the way that they edited that documentary... Every new revelation was more shocking than the last revelation, which was the most shocking thing I had ever heard of in my life up until that point. Yes. Nothing in the show can be predicted. I was, we were saying on Food for Thought that like, if you were in a writing class, like you're, you're writing a screenplay or whatever, if you turn this in as a fiction series, your teacher would be like, um, this is not realistic. There are too many <laughs> plot twists, too many, uh, um, your, your characters are too rich. Uh, this is just not working. So if you haven't watched Tiger King, go watch it. If you don't like animal abuse, don't watch it. It has some animal abuse stuff that's like hard to get through, but it's not like to the level of like, don't fuck with cats, um, which I think was really hard to watch. It's also- That Tiger was King. really hard to watch. I watched that right after and I was like, whoa, Oof. this is Oof. heavy. Yeah, you like crime dramas though, right? Or do you, do mean, you like true crime? 
I, you know, I'm like with those people that when you ask them what their favorite music is, they say everything, including country music. I like <laughs> everything, including country music. So I, it's not that I like true crime, but I watch true crime with a thirst that mm. is very, you know, it's very pronounced, but also I watch it very critically. So mm. I will tell you now, I'm going to admit to the entire audience of Call Your Girlfriend and to you that my number one most watched thing on Netflix is forensic files oh. that's what i watch when i want to turn my brain off like every night when i'm going to bed i just turn on a forensic files and then i start doing my like nighttime routine and oh. i'm at the point because there's like 100 seasons on netflix and i've watched so much forensic files friend that i'm at the part of forensic files where the how they're solving the crimes is by catching people because those people watch forensic files and try to make the crime better oh my god okay so let's get into cr- crime stuff have you watched unbelievable on netflix yet yes unbelievable oh my god. is really really amazing i think that that is one that flew under a lot of people's radars because the title is really <laughs> forgettable like it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable um it is one of the few shows that i've ever watched in one sitting it's an amazing show that documents a series of rape cases I will say that the first episode is really, really triggering and tough to get to, especially if you're a victim of sexual violence. However, the show really, really, really earns itself once you get through the second episode. Um, So I will say if you watch the first episode and it's really tough, you will enjoy the rest of the series. It's much less traumatic, I will say. So, but I I loved that show. It was so incredible. Um, Also, do you watch Elite, Amina? Oh my God, Spanish teenagers (laughs) ruining my life. So here's the thing. Yeah, I I love Spanish TV, love Spanish soap operas. They're massive on Netflix and Elite is one of the best ones. And truly when you think about it is kind of a true crime drama. Um, I think that, you know, our Lord and Savior Bong Joon-ho has, you know, teached and uh, uh, shown (laughs) all of Americans that we can watch things with subtitles now, right? So if you've been sleeping on Elite or any sort of Spanish crime drama, I know, Amina, you you watch like all foreign TV shows and movies, but if you were to look at the stats on Netflix, everyone watches things with subtitles except for America. It's so bizarre. Um, well, it's because we like can't read. That's really what's going on. <laughs> I watch I watch everything with closed captioning, like even yes. just American TV, because I'm Same. so used to just reading things. And if I'm looking at a screen and there's not words underneath, it really just throws me for a loop. So I my closed captioning is on twenty four seven. Yes. So we stand Elite. It's also extremely horny. It's like Spanish Riverdale, but much better written than Riverdale. Like actually, yeah. really wonderful characters and plot. Um, if you like Gossip Girl and Riverdale, like this is the show for you. Oh, so good. Another Spanish drama that kind of falls into the same universe is Casa de Papel. Um, yes. Is, oh my God. It's called Money Heist on Netflix. That's the American term. But like, oh my God, if you like, you know, Mission Impossible stuff, um, if you like actions or like super duper intense dramas like that, Casa de Papel is one of my favorite things I've ever watched on the screen. And you will, the, the next season is out and you will not be a- at all disappointed by the show. Just watch one episode and you'll be hooked. I guarantee it. Yeah. If you like heists, this is the movie for you. And yes. the only thing I love more than scams is heists. So yeah, there you go. It's it is the ultimate heist TV show, and oh my god, does it take you on a ride? So other, I mean, when I think about 
true crime. I like thinking about shows through a true crime lens, even if they're not true crime. Did you watch um, Goop Lab or Cheer? Oh my God. So let me tell you, I had not planned on watching Goop Lab when I watched it. I was going to save it for, I was going to save it for a time like this, honestly, where I was like, when's going to be a time that I'm going to be home all the time and I just need content? And instead I was on a plane flying from LA to New York and a woman turned to me and goes, have you seen Goop Lab? And I was like, uh, no, I have not seen Goop Lab. And then she said to me, she was like, you have to watch it. There's an episode with a vagina. And I was like, <laughs> what? This is a woman I have never met before, Fran. Like we have, we've had no contact. We were the only two like ladies in our cabin. And so she started talking to me and I was like, well, I'm like, I don't understand. Like what, what is so compelling about this? I have to say that this woman was um, also a black woman. So of course uh-huh. we were talking uh-huh. and she's like, you have to watch the vagina episode. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what? Like I've done vagina monologues in college. I don't need to watch this. And then she whispers to me, she goes, it's a white vagina. <laughs> and then the plane landed. And so we all like dispersed ourselves. And then I watched the Goop Lab episode. And I was like, oh, maybe this woman is just like me. We had never seen a white vagina before. <laughs> oh my God. That is so funny. And I do think that the entire series can be summed up with the phrase, it's a white vagina. Because that is. <laughs> Is kind of like it's very like vagina feminism TM, and if you like look at it through the lens of like, oh my god, this is insane. It's a bit of a hate watch, in my opinion. I also think that if you look at it through the lens of true crime, like a lot of these people like are criminals. You're like, how do you get away with this scammery? Um, but there are parts of it where I actually got emotional. I was like, oh wow, this is really powerful and like meaningful to like women. <laughs> I thought it was really powerful and meaningful in parts. I also think that they. Um, you know, like the the episode about psychedelics I thought was really, really good. Mm. Um, I also think that it's okay to hate watch things because, yeah. um, and to be clear, like I do not hate watch Goop. Like I read the Goop newsletter as soon as it gets into my yes. inbox. I was like, Goop to me falls into white excellence. Yes. I love Gwyneth Paltrow. I know that she's a divisive person in the white community, but in the Amina community, we love Gwyneth Paltrow. And so, but the thing is, I think that it's okay to like watch all this stuff because I'm watching it with a critical eye towards like, okay, here's where the science is garbage. Here's the whatever. But I do think that it is important in society to understand why, um, why so much women's content is like this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I think about the fact that like, you know, women have to basically put vagina, like crystals into their vaginas because like doctors aren't listening to them. You know, I was like, this is, Goop does not exist in a vacuum of culture. And so I think that that is worth it. I also think that it is a business that is super lucrative and it's done well. So you can feel how you want to feel about Gwyneth Paltrow, but I'm like, she is someone who built a pretty iconic business. And I am always fascinated by how that works. I also think that as television, it was really fascinating because the relationship between like Elise, that woman on the show, and yeah. like I was like, these people do they even like each other? What is yes. going on here? I like love. it was so frenetic. Yes, observing the kind of nuances of the way they kind of interacted was very. I was like fully engaged the entire time I watched that show. It was so insane. Um, did you watch the Hillary doc on Hulu? Oh, of course, the Hillary doc on Hulu. Um, my mother, Hillary Clinton. Um, <laughs> screamed at the tv is so good you know the thing about the documentary that i found was so interesting is that i am someone who obviously i'm very steeped in hillary clinton knowledge right i think that 
it was really nice to see all of her accomplishments in one place, you know, where like some, something does the history of that, where you're just like, okay, let's take it from the beginning to the end, basically. And, and so many people just, I realize like, don't know that. And also I think the way that she is, she's just so herself in it. And I think if you like her, you are going to like it. If you do not like her, you were definitely not going to like this documentary and that's fine. Yeah. But I think that there is something so powerful about hearing her tell her own story in her own voice, you know? I totally agree. And I, I've heard from people that don't like her that even said, or had like mixed feelings on her that came out of the experience of watching it. And they were like, whoa, I've like never known X, Y, Z about her. And I learned things watching the doc. I'm not as steeped in the knowledge, but like I was shocked by what I didn't know. You know what I mean? I know, but you know, a thing that's been really frustrating for me is the people who are like, why wasn't she like this when she was running for office? And I was like, you were not paying attention. She's always like this. Like, the, like you, you can accuse her of Hillary Clinton of anything. You can, you know, like all the fake murders or the whatever. Like I was like, have all your conspiracy theories. One conspiracy theory that does not stick is that she is not the exact same person that she's always been. I was like, she's yeah. always talked like this. She's always told these stories. And I think that the question is really like, what was the rest of America listening to? And what do we hear when women are running for office? But you know, yes. that's another podcast. Um, yes, really. So so consistent. Basically, the Rihanna like consistency in politics. Oh my gosh, not Rihanna like <laughs> consistency. French TV shows on Netflix? I haven't yet, but I did watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is on Hulu. Oh my god. Have you watched that movie yet? I mean, uh, like, a movie about social distancing. Sexual distancing. (laughs) Sexual distancing. (laughs) Uh, That movie, I mean, Call Me By Your Name found dead. That movie is so good. It is so exquisite. It's, like, one of my favorite queer things I've ever watched on the screen. Uh, But what French TV shows are you watching? Okay, so the most iconic French TV show on Netflix is called Call My Agent. Okay. And it's basically a French, like, if Curb Your Enthusiasm and Entourage in the Office had a baby, it would be this. My God, that sounds wonderful. I've never even heard of this. It's so good. They're like, um, like Juliette Binoche is in it. They have like real life stars. It's about like a group of agents who work for this like Paris talent agency that's basically falling apart. And so real talent comes in. You have like the assistants like trying to juggle their own complicated love lives. Fringe TV, <laughs> I will say is very hit or miss. Like uh, <laughs> the same way that people love like French cinema. They're just like French new wave cinema is so good. French people can be so corny and tacky and whatever, and it's so reflected in the TV. But this is one show I, like, 100% recommend. It's very funny. There is another, like, very, very, very cheesy French show that is, um, I would say, like, they probably think that they're the French version of Girls. It's not as edgy as Girls, but it really has its (laughs) moments, and it's called The Hookup Plan. Okay. 
And it's only eight episodes and it's awesome. It's all about, you know, like what it's like to be 20 something in Paris. And some of it makes me laugh really hard. If you like true crime, like if you like like Luther or, you know, I don't know, like Rita, all those other like crime shows on Netflix, there's a French one called La Mante, M-A-N-T-E. And it's really good. It's about this like woman who is like looking for a vintage, like a serial killer. Uh, you know what? You need to say no more because you have already said, I'm a gay and you said Julia Binoche. So I am I, there with French TV. <laughs> Here for it. <laughs> yeah. Netflix weirdly has a really good uh, catalog of French TV shows. Good to know. Um, I forgot to mention this earlier when we were talking about crime stuff. Did you watch Invisible Man? Um, no, I still have not seen Invisible Man. I've heard mixed reports, so tell me what you think. Let me tell you, I had the lowest... I saw it in theaters pre-quarantine, and I had the lowest expectations ever. I don't go for thrillers. I don't go for horror. Um, the conceit of the movie, like an Invisible Man that's like stalking a lady, I was like, I'm not into that. Oh my goodness. A masterclass in suspended tension. I was thrilled the entire time. But beyond that, a feminist revenge fantasy that I was not expecting. Say no more. Say no more. It is so good. Elizabeth Moss, I mean, she's a Scientologist, but she was exquisite. <laughs> she was exquisite. Um, I walked out of the movie being floored. If you are at home and you're thinking about, you know, paying the $20 for it or maybe splitting it with a few friends, I think it's well worth paying for. I thought it was so good. That's so funny because all the people that have given me the mixed reviews did not mention the feminist revenge fantasy. So thank you for knowing exactly the words to tug at my heart. So. <laughs> it's dark. It is a battle. But boy, do you root for Elizabeth Moss. Damn, it is so good. Um, thinking about shows that like maybe people have slept on. Um, I think I might have texted you about this. Feel Good on Netflix is a cute dramedy by Mae Martin. A, a story, you know, that's by queer women, for queer women, about queer oh. women. Um, it has flea bag like energy um, in that it, it tackles dark subjects with a very funny tone of voice. Um, and every joke is funny to me, which is very hard to do. I'm very picky when it comes to funny content. I thought every joke was funny. Really, really enjoyed that. I also loved Nora from Queens, Aquafina's show. Oh, so good. Yes, so good. My friend Bowen Yang is on it. He's exquisite. It's all available on Amazon. If you don't have Comedy Central, I paid for it. I thought it was so worth it. So I really love those if you're sleeping on them. Did you watch the other two that was also on Comedy Central? It's called The Other Two. No, I have not seen that. Oh my gosh. When I watched it, I was like, I can't remember the last time I enjoyed a comedy as much as I did since like 30 Rock. Really? Yes. It's very, again, like very gay, but it has Molly Shannon. Need I say more? She is an amazing done. party done and done. Yes. It's so good. Let um, me sway you with one show that people like can feel like homework, but actually is really good. Yes. Is Leftovers on HBO. Ooh. Um, okay. It, man. For, like, I'll say Justin Thoreau is, like, worth the price of admission alone. In oh, yeah. every single scene on that show, that man is, like, naked or wet. Like, it's so worth it. Um, but here's the thing about the show. The first season was really hard to watch. So it's basically about, like, one day people wake up and, like, half of the population has disappeared. So you're like, what? Like, what happened? 
it's made by the same dude who made Lost. So, like, you know, choose your own, uh, make your own conclusions there <laughs> about how that, happen- how that works out. And uh, to be clear, I only watched six episodes of Lost because I couldn't handle it. But with yeah. Leftovers, here is my strategy. The person who swayed me to watch it, my friend Shawnee was so smart. She, like, knew that I, I couldn't, I wouldn't hang. So she said to me, she was like, go straight to the second to last episode of the first season. She's like, you're not going to oh. understand anything. Just hang on. She goes, just hang on. Watch that episode and then watch the finale. And she was like, season two is amazing. And she was so right. It took me like, I did those two episodes and then I love season two so much. I went back to watch season one to see what I had missed. And no then way. by the last episode of that show on the finale episode, the series finale, I cried so hard. And I don't remember having that experience with the TV show in like, I don't even know how long. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. That's, that's kind of sold me. That happened to me with the crown. I didn't watch all the crown and I jumped in season three and then went back and that like the crown is white. The crown is white. Excellence. excellence. There is not a single person of color. And you're like, please do not show up on the screen. Like this is, (laughs) this is not our world. You're like, make more. Yes. I mean, Tiger King's the same thing where it's just like, maybe we don't need representation in this movie. Maybe I'm really glad that everyone is white in Tiger King. And that's fine. (laughs) It's Um, so true. Here's the only thing that I'm going to say about Leftovers. My only caveat is that it's a show about a dystopia. So if that is not the mood that you're in during the dystopia that we're living in, you know, like don't engage. But if you want something that is very escapist and like also weirdly too close to right now, I would say Mm. that. I'm also loving Plot Against America on mm. um, on HBO. If you like Ross, you will love the show. Zoe Kazan's an amazing actress. Um, Winona Ryder. It's so good. I can't believe this is fiction because it 100% feels like living in Trump's America. <laughs> so mm. there is, I think it just really depends like the kind of moods that you're going for. But I am really appreciating right now a little bit like dark and hard to watch stuff. Mm, Yeah, I feel that. And I think that if you want, you know, the opposite of dark and the opposite of white, white excellence, um, Uncorked is out on Netflix right now, too. It's a really beautiful movie about a guy that's trying to be a sommelier. Oh, my God. Done. Super simple conceit, a good engine. It's like, it's a straight, he's trying to become a Somali. There are only like 250 like master Somalis in the world. And he's like the only one basically going up for it who is black. And the race doesn't, it comes into the movie, but it doesn't. And I think it's just very seamless. It reminded me of the way that Euphoria treats race in that you have these, you know, you have marginalized characters, but their oppression doesn't enter the narrative, right? It's so auxiliary and i really appreciate that when i when i get to see you know queer and marginalized and black and brown actors who get to portray something other than oppression-based agony you know what i mean i I always appreciate shows like that um which reminds me i was just gonna say one more um invisible which is on apple tv is a docu-series about queer representation in tv i cried on average twice per episode it was so beautiful strongly recommend i'm like weirdly an adam lambert stan now so like oh wow the end of the world (laughs) okay amina i you know went to the kinsey institute i've studied queer people and sex and gender for like almost a decade now i've clocked my ten thousand hours on like queer and trans people right i thought i knew everything about queer representation in tv the things I did not know, I was so shocked. If you enjoy a historical docu-series or queer stuff, um, Invisible on Apple TV was worth every episode. 
So oh, man. Okay, you've convinced me to do that. One thing that you made me think of when you were talking about Uncorked was the first thing that I, the reason I got Hulu in the first place years ago when I was living in Washington, D.C. in this like dingy like basement apartment is because there was this show with Bradley Cooper called Kitchen Confidential. It only has one season. Oh my and God. it's obviously about Anthony Bourdain. Like I'm pretty sure... Um, Bradley Cooper's character was called Jack Bourdain. Like, oh my God. So nuts. And it's about, it's about this like chef who, you know, it's like, he's boozes too much. He's like a womanizer. He's like a womanizer. There's drugs or whatever. The show is so bad, y'all. The show is so bad. But I like, I don't even know if this is streaming anywhere on the internet, but if you can find it, it's called Kitchen Confidential with Bradley Cooper. If you want to watch like absolute trash, this is it. Iconic. You know, the reason that I signed up for Hulu is because they acquired Ugly Betty. And I was like, <gasps> I was like, oh my God, I need to rewatch this stat. Are you an Ugly Betty stan? Is that what you're I am such an stan? Ugly Betty stan that I rewatched Ooh. most of it last year. Can I be, I'm not being flip when I say this. I'm not exaggerating. Ugly Betty created me. She is so formative to my career in general. I watched that show as a teen and she has a, a queer sensibility to her in that she's like, doesn't fit in at all. But also she's a Latina and I was like, I'm a Latina. Um, and, and she was working in media <laughs> and like, you know, editors hated her and, you know, the industry spit on her. And I was like, I want to work in the industry. I want to be spit on, you know what I mean? Like, but her success in media was something that drove me as a marginalized person to enter the industry. So she literally, like, she inspired me so hard. I, I, I stand Ugly Betty, even though it has some very transphobic um, ideas in it. Um, but that said, all my trans friends love Ugly Betty, which is shocking to me because there's, like, some massive transphobia in that um, show, but I still it's adore so, it. The, the transphobia of it all is so ugly, and it's, it's so, so shocking because... You're like, a show can be so progressive in one way. Like, I, you know, like, Mark's coming out in Ugly Betty is iconic. Yeah, Justin's beautiful. coming out, iconic. Justin and Austin kissing in Ugly oh, Betty is so good. And it it's just really painful that you can have these, like, really beautiful moments, you know, of celebration. And then trans people are the butt of the joke. And yeah. it's so... Um, it's really gross that we do that. And we yeah. do it over and over and over again in our culture. That said, Ugly Betty. <laughs> oh my goodness. So good. Ugly, man. Ugly Betty. Um, now I'm like trying to figure out like a show from that era that I really... 2005 was such a good TV year. Did you ever watch Brothers and Sisters on ABC? I did not, actually. You know what's so funny is I, I think a big part of the reason I consume so much now is I kind of grew up in a cultural vacuum. Like my mom's side of the family is all like fundamentalist Baptists and Christians. And so I grew up like thinking that like Christian music, I was so sheltered that I thought like Christian music was just music. Like I thought that that's what everyone <laughs> was listening to. And there were so many things that I was cut off from like growing up. Like I just watched Clueless 
for the first time last week uh, because I'm catching up on all these cultural objects that I missed out oh on. Oh my I, God, Fran, how was your clueless experience? Oh my God, it was amazing. I also watched Legally Blonde for the first time the <gasps> day before. I know, I know. This is so, I have like, I, I consume so much in the contemporary world and then there's this big blackout of things that I missed when I was growing up as a teenager. So, you know, I missed out on some things. Ugly Betty was kind of one of my first forays into like the culture. Um, that and then Destiny's Child um, and taking out a an album from the library and being like, oh my God, this is music. You should <laughs> watch Beyonce in a, Carmen, a hip hopera. Oh, yes. Oh my God, I absolutely should. Or her and Obsessed, honestly. I wonder where that's streaming. She's oh, Obsessed. Anne and I saw Obsessed, uh, or I saw Obsessed like three times before I went to see it with Anne. We had just become friends. It was truly the week that we became friends that that came out. And uh, it's to this day one of my favorite movies. If it's on TV, I will always turn it on because Ugh. it makes no sense. It just, the whole thing makes no sense. Beyonce's entire cinematic body of work it's so tragic (laughs) and i'm like thank god you can sing because this would have been such a problem i will say the the one show that i love from from your 1999 is freaks and geeks did you ever watch Uh, that did i ever watch that hello oh my god is formative A a perfect tv show one season that's all it needed to be about teenagers who are horny and don't understand themselves. And oh my God, it's just so relatable. I work in entertainment, but I also am trying to, you know, write shows and write movies. And that's what I do in my spare time. And shows like Freaks and Geeks are like the show that I want to watch. Did you, have you heard about I Am Not Okay With This on Netflix? No, what's I Am Not Okay With This? Oh my God. It has Freaks and Geeks-ish energy. It's kind of like lesbian Matilda, but as a TV show. What? Yes, it's amazing. It's like John Q's energy, like bright, you know, 90s, early aughts, like energy meets like Stranger Things-esque paranormal activity. And the the lead is queer. And I, I just, I, I love it. I came out of the experience of watching that again, feeling like, oh my God, I, that's the show that I want to write. That's the show that I want to see. That's everything that I stand for. Um, I, I, I love shows like that. So strongly recommend I Am Not Okay With This, Lesbian Matilda. <laughs> lesbian matilda i mean (laughs) matilda is very formative to me like how ugly betty is for you matilda was for me oh my gosh i feel that energy from you so hard how are you deciding what you want to watch because i am finding that i have more moments in the day where i can stream things i can watch things and i get really overwhelmed with like deciding the path i want to go down where i'm like oh like how usually my criteria is how do i want to feel and how much time do i have And I think it's probably why I watch so much TV. I cannot watch like 90 minutes of a movie, but I can watch nine 30 minute like TV episodes. I don't know why my brain is wired that way, but I am definitely finding that I'm super overwhelmed with like how to pick something. I, you know, that's a really good question. It's two things. One, I train my algorithms really hard. So like my Netflix, you know, list, quote unquote, and my Hulu list, I like scrubbed clean and re-added like all of the gay shows, right? Like anytime I click on something, I'm like, is it gay? And I just like Google, I'm like, is there gay stuff in this? So like, I know what I like. (laughs) Honestly, me at work, at working at Netflix is like, anytime someone sends me like, you know, a ghost series memo announcing a new show, I just respond to the email. I'm like, is it gay though? You know what I mean? Like, that's just how I find out about things at Netflix. But, um, I think that uh, that that's a big part of it. The algorithm can serve you if you train it. 
to, you know, collect the things that you want to watch. But the other thing is, other than that, I don't really do discovery. I only go by recommendations from friends. So I never would have watched Tiger King, not at the intersection of my interest, not really. I mean, it is gay, but like, I was like, not a show It's that I so watch. gay, friends. But also, so is gay. it gay? You know what I mean? <laughs> it is like sociopathic gay. I mean, I my favorite thing on the planet is evil women and evil gays and this show has both so i stand i stand evil gays and evil women so uh, you know any villainy in that regard i totally loved but i it took someone to recommend that to me in order to get it trust the recommendations of your friends and people that have interests other than that i don't i don't read the press amina i don't <laughs> <read> the- <laughs> You're not reading. You're not reading the um, the viral TV press every day. Yeah, I, because I work in entertainment now. You know, consumption is part of the job. Um, so I, I do consume a lot because it's quote unquote market research, and it's me learning how to do my job. And a lot of times, you know, with the things that I do at Netflix, I need to have a context of the show or have a context of the shows that are like it in order to you know, help put it out to my audience. So I think that there are a lot of things that go into it. But yeah, I just keep things on tap. I I have a running list on my phone of of things that I'm excited to watch. And I kind of try and go in that order so that the next time I get to because you know, the paradox of Netflix, right, is there are too many things on the service. And so when I go to the service, I, you know, have no idea what to pick. And so a big part of my job, just working at editorial, is helping queer and trans people find the titles that they love. So if you subscribe to Netflix's editorial channel, sorry, this is like very like, um, no, like a, I love a, a pr- promotional, but like it, we have different, you know, audience leads that, you know, curate shows that you love. So like my friend Jasmine is kind of a counterpart. She runs Strong Black Lead which is like all of our black titles and shows that center black stories. And if you go to their Twitter or their Instagram, it's basically like black TV guide, right? Like back in the days of like Jet Magazine, when they used to print every kind of black person that comes on TV that week, that used to be, you know, on the back page of weekly Jet Magazine. This is the new age version of that, of how you do shows. So figure out what niche you fall into and find audience channels that curate shows for you. And yeah, our channel at most, if you follow at most, um, is kind of the queer TV guide. So if you're queer or like queer shows, follow that channel and I'll help you find shows that you love. The shows are so fun. I have to say that like my, one of the things that I'm trying to do in quarantine is everyone just has like a running list of all the content they've ever been dying to watch. I was like, if you haven't seen The Wire, this is probably your chance. Right. You know, like just <laughs> like do the thing. But I think that like when I started looking at that running list that I keep on my phone all the time, it was really important to me to make it count for something, you know? And right. so I went back and I re-edited it down to be like, I like to watch foreign things. So I'm going to keep watching the foreign shows that I want to catch up on because, right. you know, like the same way that you were saying that you're doing market research and that you need to know about things. I am really tired of not knowing what the rest of the world is laughing about or crying about or whatever. Right. It's like, this is something that's important to me. And also I put like a lot of like queer shows and queer movies on that list because it's important to me to support the people who make, um, who make that content. Because I also think that, you know, it's quarantine, but your viewership matters. Your, the way, you know, like the way that we're spending our money and our time and our attention is so important. And it's been such a bomb to me to be like, oh, I can see people like me on the screen and I can feel good like consuming that and making sure that there is an industry to return to for everyone in the future. 
it's the double-edged sword of like there was too much content like it's true there was too much content across all of the streaming services but i think that in the too much content i also just need to remember that there is a kind of content that i need to support both for political and cultural reasons and so it's been you know um the algorithm makes me feel good about that (laughs) that's right and and all that is to say don't watch Westworld. It's homework. <laughs> <laughs> don't punish yourself into watching shows that feel like homework. Okay, you know what I mean? I, I think that, you know. Oh my god, Fran, this is so divisive. I'm in a group chat <laughs> where everyone watches Westworld except for me. And for uh, years, I just like do thumbs up whenever they go into their like Westworld avatars. <laughs> and finally, someone exposed me the other day. They were like, Amina, have you even seen one episode of Westworld? And I was like, I can't believe that you're choosing COVID-19 time to have a trial on whether I watch Westworld or not. And clearly the answer is no. I think I try to watch the pilot, like truly, I turn it on for five minutes and it's exactly the kind of show that is not for me. Like it's, yeah. I'm not saying that I don't like to use my brain when I watch television, that like quite the opposite, but there is a kind of like fantasy, weird world, like just, it was too much. It was too much and I couldn't handle it. And I was like, I, I don't need to be a part of this train ride. And I cannot yeah. believe the show is still on the air. And so yeah. for years I've had to like not participate in Westworld conversations. Yeah, I, I still, have, I've tried and tried. Same thing with Witcher on Netflix. I've tried to watch that show four times. Oh my God, I cannot get no, through it. But. I, I don't even know what The Witcher is about. I just, I hear people talk about The Witcher song and I just, I cannot, you know, like choose your Witcher or whatever. I was like, I the, cannot uh, be a part of this. Sounds like going to your Witcher. Um, yeah, but that, that said, you know, group chats do sway me sometimes. Like I, it's because of a group chat that I actually decided to watch Invisible Man. I think someone in the group chat was like, it's called Invisible Man man and it's true to its word the man is not there is not in the movie and i was like wow old no men in this movie great sounds great um so that was something that you know sometimes you know group chats can sway me but westworld i i will never come over um also wait non-tv related but things that everyone should watch are you watching leslie jordan's instagram by any chance have you seen uh, this? No, tell me about Leslie so, Jordan's Instagram. <laughs> this is, I'm sorry, this is off topic, but I'm thinking about this. He he was in American Horror Story, but everyone knows him. He was this kind of villainous, kind of closeted gay character in Will and Grace. He's just an old queen, and or queen, queen of a certain age. And um, he has been doing a lot of front-facing videos on Instagram in quarantine. And his he just tells stories. And it's just kind of that perfect, very endearing person of a certain age trying oh, to is use this technology. an old man that everyone yes. is posting oh, so. yes 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 it is so i i you just go in and watch every single video that's on his feed right now oh my god i mean that is better than westworld honestly like, <laughs> like don't watch westworld, better than westworld watch. is the tagline everyone is going for yes. don't watch westworld watch leslie jordan's instagram stories or instagram videos they're they're so incredible i strongly recommend um oh, fran you just made my day here for it here for you i feel like we have such a long list of things to catch up on i'm gonna do my homework and i will report back because i'm so excited for this and if the, the audience takes anything away from today, I just hope that Elite shoots to every, the top of everyone's to watch lists. Oh my gosh. And also, honestly, like, I love being your, like, viewing concierge. So, like, if you, you know, want to follow up on any of these things, like, I love talking about them. I'm, I'll be, I have more spare time than 
any moment in my life. So, you know, tw- tweet at me, get in, get in my DMs, you know, th- let me know what you thought. Where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Fran Squishco on social media. That's Fran Squishco. And uh, you can also follow my podcast at Food for Thought. That's food, the number four and thought spelled T-H-O-T. Very important <laughs> distinction. Um, it's, a, it's a queer podcast about sex and relationships. So if you like queer stuff, relationship stuff. It's a very good podcast. Oh, thanks, Amina. I appreciate that. Ah, Fran, you are the best. Thank you for being a friend to the show and for being a friend to me. Mm. Um, We love you so much. And I hope that you have a really, really lovely rest of your day. Fran Torado, everyone. The best. How are we so lucky? Like, how are we so blessed? Truly. (laughs) Uh, I, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to hold on to it. Um, I am also blessed to know you and Friedman, so I will see you on the internet. Ugh, hard same. See you on the internet. You can find us many places on the internet, callyourgirlfriend.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all your favorite platforms. Subscribe, rate, review, you know the drill. You can call us back. You can leave a voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. You can email us, callyrgf at gmail.com. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Sneed. We're on Instagram and Twitter at callyrgf. Our associate producer is Jordan Bailey. And this podcast is produced by Gina Delvac.